you speak to your lash clients all day, every day. So you know these people, you know who they are, you know what they want, you know about their lives. Half the time you become their therapist. So you know a lot about your audience more than most people would know about their audiences. So just use that to your benefit. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, Andre, show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are excited to have Jody Harrison and Alicia Phoenix from Prolong Lash. Yes, Prolong Lash. They are from Down Under, guys, and another company. We have a few friends down there now, and we love them. They have been a sponsor with us for a couple years, and they really are a company that's changed our industry. They did a lot of stuff with getting people to start cleaning their lashes. They're really at the beginning of it all. So what's great about today's episode is we're going to hear a little about the history, the beginnings of the company, what happened, how they got to where they are. It's very humble beginnings. Love their story. And then we're going to go in and give you guys some tips from their great expertise because they've been doing this for a long time. And I know a lot about marketing and they're also going to be talking about sales tips. So we're going to go through that and give you a bunch of tips. So get your pens and pieces of paper out and take some notes when we get to that part. But otherwise, there's a lot to cover here. So there's a little bit longer episode, but stick around for all of it. I promise you, it is well worth it. So announcements real quick, guys. As I am recording this, we still have some tickets up for sale. We put them up on Wednesday and we sold a bunch. But we had a lot, actually. We ended up having quite a few tickets. We, we were holding on to a bunch. And now they're out there for you to consume or buy, not consume, can't be eat them, but you can buy them and they're available. Go to the link in the show notes or go to Instagram, go to the link there or go to lashconference.com and buy your tickets today. I don't know by the time this plays, we may be out of VIPs, but we did have a handful of VIPs and we had about 20 standard tickets still left as of recording, but this has been a few days since. So hopefully, or two days since. So go right now. If you were like, oh, I was going to get a ticket, but I never could, I missed it. No, here we go. This is your last chance, guys. And there's a payment plan, so you can spread it out over three payments. Set four because we only have a few months left, really less than three months here. You got three payments. You can pay it just before you come to LashCon. And plane tickets are cheaper now than they've been all year. You can probably get a round-trip ticket between 300 and 400 bucks. And you can also, we still have a few rooms left at a couple of sister hotels, so you can only spend 189 a night. 189 a night, that is. So, yeah, what are you waiting for, guys? It is really your last chance to get your tickets. Otherwise, just stick to it and buy the virtual ticket. If we're around the world, in London, you know, all around, all our friends down under, then go ahead and buy the virtual ticket. 
that $197 gets you all the speakers, all the content, just none of the parties. That's all. So for $197, you get to have fun learning, and you can uh, party with your family at night. <laughs> Say, guys, everyone that's partying at LashCon, so I'm going to party at home. Yeah, okay, whatever. What else do we have going on? We have our last retention course is basically done for the summer. Our next class is going to be November 19th and 20th in Boston and then December 3rd and 4th here in Los Angeles. So East Coast, West Coast, if you want to get, learn how to get four-week retention and really learn how to style and do lashes like Tusk, this is your chance. Go buy those tickets today. Also, by the way, if you bought a, a ticket for LashCon already, we do have add-ons still, and you can still go on and buy those add-ons. You can get the day one, the Lash Booth Collective, the Lash Lab, all that stuff. The salon owner breakfast, by the way, is the best. And we, why? Because I'm hosting that one. And Prolong's going to be with us, and they're going to be hosting that too. So you definitely want to get that ticket if you're a salon owner. It's a chance to hang out with fellow salon owners and talk shop and be encouraged. It'll be a great time. So there's all that. And I guess, um, let's see, Lashy Awards. Oh, yeah, Lashy Awards submissions in tonight, the 26th. So do not wait. If you've been waiting to think that then that you do it, it's going to be too late. You can't buy it at like 11 p.m. tonight and get done an hour. It's going to be really stressful. So buy it right now. Don't watch TV tonight. Just take some time. Submit that application. It's going to take you one, two, three hours to make how many categories you submit to, but you still have a chance. Go buy it now, and we'd love to see you hopefully on the stage at LashCon. And if you can't make it to LashCon, don't worry. You can still win, and we'll ship you that trophy. Okay, that's all I have for announcement, guys. Now let's sit down with, basically, we're going to sit down with Prolong, with Jody and Alicia, and talk about their beginnings and give you some tips that will help you with your business. Hey, guys, we're here in the Last Cast Studios. Excited, as always, to be with you. Welcome to the show, Tuss. I'm really excited to have our guests here today. Why are you excited? Well, they are dialing in from Down Under. Yeah. They are our friends at Prolong. Yeah, they are. And we actually got to meet with one of them. We had hoped to meet with two of them, but back when we were in Australia ourselves for the first time in March. But we have Alicia and Jody from Prolong with us. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank hey you so guys. much. How are we going? It's exciting to have both of you here and excited to have you guys also. You guys are going to be at LashCon this year. So that's even super cool. We're so excited. <laughs> so we thought what we would do, because I think for me, Prolong has been one of these brands that I've seen you guys around forever. I feel like you guys have been around as an influence and providing products for our industry and stability. Um, and, yeah, and, and world peace and everything else we can think of. <laughs> but no, I just think you guys have been doing all this great stuff. And I didn't know you guys until really, I, I think I met Alicia at, um, it was when we talked and hung out in Australia, which was really kind of cool. And what I th- love about it is I think a lot of people see you guys around, but there's no face to the brand that they go, oh yeah, that's the brand. That's who we know, at least in the States. Maybe in Australia, everyone was probably what are you talking about. But in the United States, I f- still feel like you guys have a lot of, of pro- while well, they see your products, maybe they haven't got to hear your voice. So it'd be really, I'm excited today to be able to bring to you guys introduce on. introduce you guys. Yeah, and let people get to know a little bit about the face behind the brand and how you guys do things and how you grew your brand. So I thought we'd start with, first, Prolong. I'm sure you guys didn't start with a giant company. You had to start from somewhere. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to get a little bit of the history, the background of how you got started and how this company has grown to where it is today. Yeah, I think I'll absolutely. let Alicia run with that. I'll let Alicia run with that one because she's kind of been here since the start. So oh, Alicia, yeah. happy to chat that, ch- chat that story. 
Yeah, so I was there when we started. So Kerry, our founder, actually used to run Lash Salons in Melbourne. So Lash-only salons, we were the first Lash-only eyelash extension salon in Melbourne. And we saw this problem developing with our clients all the time. People were coming back with dirty lashes. Their lashes weren't staying on well. We were having trouble getting them to stick to the lash line. People were using baby shampoo to wash their lashes back then. (laughs) Our enemy, baby shampoo. (laughs) So one of our clients actually at the time was a chemist. So she said, I can make you an oil-free product that doesn't have any contraindications with eyelash extensions just Mm. for that purpose. Mm. So we were like, okay, cool. Now, this was just a little salon. We had three little beds at that point in time. So she just made a batch at home for us and we used it just for our clients. I don't even think we were selling it, to be honest. I think we were just using it on them and sending them home. Sending them home Lucia, when you were there, were you marketing back then too, or were you doing other services in the company at that point? I was the salon manager and okay. an eyelash extension artist. Oh, so, yeah. yeah okay. I, yes. I've done eyelash extensions for the last 14 years. I still do them on the side. If oh, you cool. could see me right now, you'd probably see my lash bed hiding behind me in the corner. <laughs> I still <laughs> do them every now and then. I didn't know that about you. So it's like, oh, my lash sister. Yeah. I just thought I'm you like, were, yeah. This bump. Yeah, mar- yes. Yeah, like marketing background, but yes. didn't know that you actually were in actually lash. Um, all all lashes, baby. I love lashes. And when was yeah. this? When did this all, when you had the salons and you first did the first wash? When was that? Um, so this was like back in 2008. Am I right, yeah. Jody? I think yeah, 2008. Wow. Mm, yeah. The dawn of lashes. Yes. It was early days and there was really no other lash salons mm-hmm. in Melbourne at that point. There were some other beauty salons that did it as part of their services, but no lash specific salons apart from us. So, you know, we started just sending them home with people and saying, wash with these and see if it helps. And it did help massively. So we got a bit excited about that. And we said to our client at the time, can you make us a bigger batch? And maybe we could even make some labels for it or something, you know. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So she made us a big batch, maybe like 300 bottles or something. And I remember all like the girls when we didn't have clients or something, we were just sitting out the front, like sticking the labels on the bottles ourselves and we thought maybe we could sell this like to our clients to take home or something and then it took off from there we started getting inquiries from other salons hey where did you guys buy this from we want to buy some for our clients and this is before and social so media think, right so it's not like you yeah. guys are posting on instagram another lash cleaning today like they just threw yeah. her through the grapevine i guess or Absolutely. Word of mouth was huge for us. That's how the lash businesses grew so fast and so large. And that's how Prolong Lash grew at the start as well. So we ended up having another big lash salon with 15 staff members in that salon. So it just pumped through clients and pumped through Prolong Lash as well. We we're just selling it to everybody. So it got to a point where these other salons were asking us. And so we thought, well, now we have to make it properly. You know, yeah. we can't make it in someone's kitchen if we're going to sell it <laughs> to other people. Sounds um, a bit sus, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere, right? Yes, that's the way it goes. <laughs> so then we had to hire a, a real proper manufacturer. So that was a whole process as well. Luckily enough, our first creator of Prolong Last, you know, she was just doing it as a favor, doing it on the side and doing it for fun. So she gave her recipe to our manufacturer. So they didn't have to start all the way from scratch. And they created Prolong Lash for us, but they managed to 
do some improvements, stabilize it. You know, at the start, it was a questionable product. It was a bit unstable. Sometimes it was yellow. Sometimes it was clear. Sometimes it smelled a bit weird, you know, and we had to get our signature scent organized then too. So that's when our rosewater scent sort of came into play and the manufacturer started incorporating that and it became an actual real product. And I think they started labeling it for us at the manufacturing plant. So the girls didn't have to sit there getting black dye on their fingers as they stuck label after label after label on. Yeah. And yeah, it just grew. What year was that now? Once you start labeling and bottling it and have a manufacturer, how long from the inception in 2008 till that point? It was probably around 2012 or so. Like it did take a few years. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It was about 2012 when we signed on, well, you guys signed on with uh, our manufacturer. So that was that time and it was still only the one product. It was still only the small bottle of the concentrate that was Mm. being made up. And then the evolution was from there, it went from the small bottle of concentrate, hey, let's do a big bottle of concentrate and one litre, hey, let's turn it into a foaming pump and sell it as a foaming pump. And I suppose it sort of stayed a bit stagnant for a while because everyone was doing other things as well as Prolong. It wasn't just everyone's focus. Okay. And then about 2018, 2019, Alicia, there was a bit more of a push to, hey, this this is a real, real marketable, brandable brand that we should be pushing. And that's when I come on board. And as the CEO, so my background's all sales. I'm a surfer, not an eyelash artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I appreciate the work that the ladies do and just come on with my sales background, which was global sales in retail. And we just, Alicia and I just we went from there. Yeah. Got out of the garage. <laughs> was in a garage. We got out of the garage. Mm. We got into a, a warehouse. We just took a, a risk. Like we just thought we got to be in this. It's got to be all or nothing. So three of us, four of us just went all or nothing with it and decided to hit America, go global. We're getting asked for it a lot. The feedback was coming through there. Alicia obviously powered through with the marketing side of it. And we Shopify Plus was our global expansion, new website. And here's Prolong Lash. Here we are. Yeah. I have a question. So when you first came on, there's like four of you and you're you're about to go big and you've got this big investment. Was there a lot of fear or trepidation? Like how are we going to fulfill these orders? Was there a strategy? Did you have that all planned out ahead of time or was it like fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing? We were shooting ourselves, excuse me. (laughs) Petrified. It was a real time of fear because, you know, we'd all left work. We'd all left jobs other jobs like and even though Alicia was still doing her salon work her commitment to the brand become 70% of her time while still trying to raise a family while still trying to have an income and myself I left what I was doing and took a chance on this smallish company and we all made massive sacrifices with our salaries we made massive sacrifices with how much time we put in and yeah every day it was like oh my goodness what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing yeah, but there was just like a huge level of excitement as well. Everybody was just so convinced. We really don't have many competitors out there. There's just such an opportunity to make the most of this and it's now or never. So everyone was so pumped to do it. Yes, it was scary, but we're also <laughs> just like, we've got to do this. We'd be crazy not to do this. We had a real belief in the brand. That is great. I mean, I think that you need to, otherwise it's just going to fall apart. Can you talk about 
your experience, was it smooth sailing all the way? Like once you hit that ground running, did you have any bumps in the road? Were there any moments of crisis? Like where you had to pivot? Can you share some of those bumps along That's the way? called COVID. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, there was COVID and then there was petrol and then there was freight costs and then there was shipping and then there was all logistics and operational issues that we come across to start with because obviously shipping from Australia, Australian made product, and then you become this big brand in the state. So, yeah, lots of times we got to a level where we're like, okay, now we're at this level. Do we take the next step? And we bought on some more staff and we went to a distribution center in America. So we had distribution out of America. So, yeah, we went from that even having the warehouse. The next step was really risky again, but we just knew we could not have a global company and be based just in Melbourne. When you guys decided to go from Australia to the United States, because I know you blew up in the United States. What was it that was the impetus for that? Was it one of those things where you already had people reaching out from the United States saying, hey, we really have heard about this. We want to try it. We got it from Australia. I've got it from a friend. Or was it one of those things like we, we really want to grow in that market because it's huge. And if we can grow there, we can grow anywhere. We knew that there was appetite for it in the US before we decided to commit to okay. it. We had people ordering from the US, from Australia and paying $38 in shipping to wow. buy a $30 bottle of cleanser, you know. Okay. So uh, people wanted it and were willing to pay big bucks in shipping to get it. So we knew that the appetite was there. We didn't know how much it would be there. So that was the risk that we had to take and go, you know what, we need to get our product onto American soil because shipping it over there is so expensive and we're not going to be able to grow because everyone can't commit to that shipping cost. So it was just always problem solving, like constant problem solving. We're like hit this level where we go, okay, this is all great. And, you know, COVID was a real push for that as well because shipping became so terrible and no one was receiving their packages and we were sending a package and it wasn't arriving for 90 days. And we thought this is not a achievable thing for us anymore. We have to put our product over there in container yeah. loads. <laughs> and the thing is, well, we've got footage of that first container that left. We filled a container with like 12 pallets and we were beyond excited, like beyond. Yeah. We were all standing out, videoing it, watching this first big container go to America. But at the same time as it pulled up out of the court, like we were, we all went, oh no, here we go. <laughs> we're either, oh, it's either going to work or that container is going to sit on the dock somewhere in America and never <laughs> oh, yeah. get empty. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You got to take a chance. You would never know it. You can sit around and, and, and strategize, strategize, strategize and get nothing done. Or you can just finally take the plunge and either succeed or as we I forget who taught us this, but or learn the lesson you need to learn so yeah. that you can do better. Right. So it's either you yeah. succeed or you learn the lesson you were meant to learn. Yeah, exactly. And I will say a really big tip for businesses just going on, on about this is exactly what you said. Sometimes if you over strategize and you do overthink that next step, you won't do it yeah. because the more it's down on paper in front of you and the more it's sitting there glaring at you, all the things that could go wrong, you've just got to go for it. You've yeah. just got to go for it. You've got to, um, we didn't strategize much of the Alicia, Kerry, myself and Jude at the time, we didn't over strategize. We just went, let's do it. Okay. We're going to do it. Let's get a freight company. Let's do uh, Okay. So we sort of just did it. That's great. And that was around 2019 or 2018 is when you finally started? When the first big container left, it was about 2020. Wow. Okay. And then when you started selling, when you came on, were you already selling the United States ahead of that time? Or was that something that picked up after you kind of made that shift into the company, Jody? 
look, the company was selling to the states, and it was always a focus of Alicia and Kerry's okay. to to hit that market. I suppose when I come on, I come on with the operational background, so I was able to say, okay, you've got this great product, it's amazing, it's, you've done incredible with it. Next step is let's get a freight company, let's get some distribution in the states, let's get a warehouse. So I suppose along with what Alicia and Kerry had and had built very successfully, it was the next step, and they knew that they needed someone to help them with that next step. And I think that's something that I think is really key I see in a lot of businesses where what got you to one point won't get you to the next point if it's just going to be you, right? Because we only have so much experience. So if your company's grown to a certain level, that's when it's not a bad idea. Like you have a salon, let's say you hire a bunch of staff. Maybe it's not a bad idea to hire someone who knows how to run salons. If you were just a lash artist your whole life, and like, I never ran a salon. And all you have 15 people looking to you for leadership. And you're like, I really don't know how to lead. It might not be a bad idea to say, well, I'll be the founder, but I'll bring someone else in who can actually manage or run the staff and help the salon to grow even bigger. That's not a bad strategy. It takes a little humility. <laughs> but it's not a bad yeah, idea. And, and one thing we do have at Prolong now is uh, we have about 15 staff and dispatch workers and we have a big team, but Alicia's brought on people for her team and I brought on people for my team that have different skill sets. Like we can't do everything ourselves. I mean, Alicia knows how to video content and knows how to edit videos, but do we need her doing editing videos? No, she needs to be in now executive meetings and strategy meetings because now we are bigger. Now we are a company that needs to other people with lots of skills coming into it. We've, I mean, Carol's come on board and she's brought an incredible lot of content into the team, different content because she has global content background. That's what we were looking for. So, yeah, you, you're right. You have to bring it a certain level to get to the next level, the right people to take you there. Yeah, no, that's really important. Now, for you guys, looking back real quick, because I remember Katie from Beautiful Wands. She was the one that really seemed to be like a big distributor for you. Was your original model working with a certain people in the United States and they were your distributors versus having a warehouse in the United States where you can have product dispersed? Or has that model changed at all over the last few years? Not really. Kerry's original model was to have a bunch of resellers out there that had experience in the industry that were selling the product on our behalf. It was never going to be in stores. It was never going to be anything but a professional brand for professional use. And Kerry just thought from the start, let's chase some of these big places down and start pumping some product to them. And then they'll pass it on to, so like Alicia said earlier, word of mouth, our partnership program now, we've got over 200 partners around the world in 85 countries. And they represent Prolong. We give them a lot of love and we give them a lot of special deals to be involved in this program. So, no, that was always a push and is still our drive to take partners on that are professional partners that, you know, they come on, they sign contracts, they get catalogs, they get social media kits, they get great discounts. <laughs> they get us, they get the team through our Lash Professional Network community that we have. They get to be able to access us at all times through this community. They can come in and say, hey, I need some more images, Alicia, for the one liters. And we have this team. We're, we're a family. We answer our, finish our emails off as welcome to the Prolong family. They're our family. We love them, particularly me. I love my little bunch of resellers. I speak to Katie <laughs> and they send me photos from when they're out. They tag us in just really fun stuff. Like we've really become friends with them. Yeah. And that's <laughs> our main drive to going to LashCon this year, apart from having a booth and saying, hey, we're here and 
here comes Skippy the bush kangaroo sort of thing. We also <laughs> really, really want to meet all these partners that we've formed this great friendship with. So for just so a lot of our listeners are actually a lot of the people that come into our show that have booths and all, they're just people who just have these little small brands and they don't have a, a lot of them may not even have a lash cleanser. So for them, that's like, is that your ideal market is to find those type of people that have lash brands and they want to add on a cleanser and not have to go through the whole process on their own. They can come on and partner with you guys and you'll provide that service to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have partners of all levels. So we have people that purchase four cleansers at a time and we have people that purchase 2,000 bottles of cleanser at a time. So we we okay. have partners in all different areas. Some of our partners are one-man band lash salons at home that make up their little brand of cleanser, which is always beautifully styled. And they tag us in Prolong Lash on Instagram and say, oh, look what I've made, my, my own brand of lash cleanser with Prolong Lash, which we love to see. And then we have huge wholesalers that sell Prolong Lash labeled and just as Prolong Lash is. They haven't mixed it or done anything like that. So our partners really vary. We have a, a quite a range. Mm. And those really big wholesalers that have a lash brand themselves and are reselling Prolong Lash, they're not the bulk of our partners. No. The bulk of our partners would be those smaller salons, little salons that have one or two people or even one-man band salons wow. that are making their own brand of lash cleanser. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you guys really cater to people of all types, of all sizes that want to do different things with your brand. It seems like you're not pigeonholing people into you must do it this way, you must be this big, you must you, you know order this There's kind of thing. There's not minimum quantity it, orders. It seems like you're like, let's talk, let's work Work it out. We're very inclusive and and we're, we're a company of women in an industry sector that you don't want to say is mainly female, but let's be honest. Yeah. And we, our goals, our pillars, when we do do our strategies, we're here to empower entrepreneurs. We're here to empower people to be successful in their business. So lash artistry is an absolute art and we know that, but adding on sales at the end, a retail sale is like, you know, can I, can you get your fries with, with your shake? Yeah. It's, it's the sale that can really finalize and capitalize and increase your revenue as the customer's leaving the store, but without the customer feeling pushed because you're offering this product that is retention, you need it for this, you need it for that. So we give a lot of content out around that feel. It's not just, hey, here's a picture of one leader. We're like, this is the way to push it up at the end. This is the way to really convince your client why you're doing their lashes, that this is a good brand. And not just for our brand. We want to give entrepreneurial tips and empower people to be successful in business. And that's our pillar. There we go. There's our segue, guys. <laughs> I was looking, how are we going to get from this part to the next section, which is, Let's talk about marketing and sales because when I reached out to Jody, he's like, well, <laughs> I really would like to teach about some things that we're passionate about, some of the things that we've learned in our long journey. Now that I've learned, it's not just a few years. You guys have been released from 14 years ago when this whole journey began. So we have a lot of information and Jody has a background even before she came in Prolong. So we thought we'd hit on those two things. So we'll see. I know you guys have a few things you want to bring up and we'll just dig on deep on some of them and maybe we'll fly by others. We'll just see how it goes. But I know we want to talk about marketing because this is something that really, if you don't have a good marketing strategy or plan, obviously you're going to be slow. Being a great artist is not enough. You can be the most amazing artist on the planet, but if you don't know how to get your message out there and how to connect and do stuff to get people to look at you and pay attention to you, you, you could be the best kept secret in your community and maybe 
Some of you listening right now are going, that's me. I'm the best kept secret in my community. I know I'm the best lash artist, and I see two people a week. <laughs> All right? So hopefully <laughs> we can help encourage or maybe bring a little tips here. So the first thing you guys had for me, we'll see how far we get. See, we like to talk. You had five marketing tips you wanted to share with our listeners that would help people with their marketing plans. So I thought I'd let you guys pick whichever one you want to go with first, and we'll go from there. Uh, you got this late. You got this late. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the marketing person. Yes. It is definitely what you said. You've got to tell people how good you are every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm probably a good example for lash artists out there because I don't have a marketing background. I am a lash artist. I have been a lash artist for 14 years. I never studied marketing. And I know some of the lash artists out there have started studied marketing or design and they do have that kind of background, but most of us didn't. Probably a lot of us, most of us are Beauticians, sorry, yeah. we don't use that word in Australia. Oh, really? What do you, we what just do call you us say? Beauticians. Oh, really? Beauticians. Beauticians. Okay. We're just beauticians. Yes. You go to beauty school, you become a beautician in ah. Australia. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, just the side note here: the old term for hairdresser used to be beautician, and the old term for esthetician used to be cosmetician. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. I'm so ancient that I know that. So, <laughs> okay, we might as well cover this real quick. I want a toy side track this, but Tuss want to get this because one of the things that was special when we were in Australia, we learned is Australians love to shorten everything. There's like yes. always like a little, there's like, there's the proper way of saying it. And then there's the Australian way of saying it. My favorite one is champagne and, and you guys say champers, champers, right? Champers. 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 Yeah. 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 I don't know how that's connected, but that sounds great. But what is, um, is there, is for esthetician or beauty professional or whatever, is there any shorter way or nickname that you guys have? Or is I'm hitting, I'm striking. We usually way? call people beauticians okay. in Australia, but, or if you only do lashes, you would be a lash artist or okay. something like that. But in Australia, as well we're super flexible about who can be a lash artist it's actually quite uh, interesting you do not have to be a beautician or an esthetician or anything like that you could literally do a course on the internet and wow. buy some products off ebay and set up your salon tomorrow wow. as long as your salon is approved by the local council and that's some basic like safety regulations about flooring and having a sink in your room and stuff like that Literally anybody can do wow. lashes in Australia. Do Australians love that? Or is that something that is, like, you don't it like it? Torn. Australian lash artists who care about the art of lashes do not love it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because there is such a varied level of quality in yeah. the lash world. And there's a lot of lash damage that gets done. And quite frankly, I have done my courses with some people around the world that I chose to go and do lash courses with. But especially in the US, they say, oh, let me see your esthetician certificate before you can sign up for your course or whatever. And I just had to say to them, that doesn't happen in Australia. We yeah. don't have that. I'm not even a beautician. Like I yeah. just learned to do lashes 14 years ago off Carrie, who founded our business. And she learned to do lashes off a random lady that she paid to sit and watch her do lashes. So <laughs> there were no lash courses. There are lash courses now and they're starting to include them in beauty school courses. But yeah, many lash artists in Australia just learned how to do it however they learned. <laughs> and you don't have to apologize. It's no, different no, no. cultures, different countries. Yes. And, I used yeah. to years ago think that that was appalling. 
However, since being in California, I started following the board uh, of barbering and cosmetology, and I really began to change my thoughts on that because one of the benefits of having a system like you guys do in Australia is that there is not a a barrier for people to get into the business. And once you learn, you can actually start making a living very, very quickly. Basic economics is if if you're good, people are going to come to you. If you're bad, they're, they're not going to. I actually yep. think there's a lot of good benefits to having your system because it does allow more people that, you know, have at least dabble and try it yes, out, see if it's a career choice, it, right. like not they can move on. But at the same time, it does lower the standards and safety can, can become a concern. So like anything, there's a good and a bad and with it. So pros and cons and also reviews, as we all know, reviews of uh, everything. And when you start to see reviews out there that are saying, oh, I had my lashes done, my eyes are terrible, this and that, the other, that's when you feel like getting in contact with that person saying, come and we'll do them with a proper lash artist <laughs> and we promise you that won't happen again. So there's that's the 50-50 is that it gives the lash sector a bad name if someone's had a bad yeah. job and they decide to write a review about it or whack a comment on socials and it doesn't just personally hurt that salon. It personally hurts the industry. It does. Yeah, I would argue there are just as many bad lash artists in our place even with the recommendations, because beauty school for most people is a babysitting service in the United States where you go in, you do your hours, you leave and you hate it and you don't pay attention. We've taught in beauty schools and I can see everyone just sitting there just going, please just finish. I just want to go home and watch well, TV. Well, that's the push. Uh, watching some of these meetings with the board is that legislature is saying we need to get people in there faster. And the school is just a way that the school's the hours that you have to take the schools, it's a way that they're pumping people for more money and it's it's not really benefiting them. They're not learning anything. They're not anything learning anything. So let's make it better for the students. So there's like a push and pull about that. Yeah. But let's get back to marketing. Yeah. Right. How about that? That's right. Yeah. Let's get the sidetrack down here. That's that's part of our day. That's what happens. We start coming on the morning. We've got an agenda. We're ready to go. And then bang, 30 minutes later, we're downstairs recording a video because we need more content about warehouse. Yeah, like, there, you okay. go, there you go. There you go. Hands up. ADD. We're easily distractible. Yes. Um, yeah. So go ahead. So what I was saying is that I am a lash artist. I'm not a marketer. But the fact is I knew our audience better than anybody because I was the audience. I was someone that ran a lash salon and I had clients that needed a solution to having dirty lashes and something to help me in my day-to-day -day business and something to boost my retail sales. And I didn't want to just sell anything either. I wanted to sell something that my clients actually needed. It's so much easier to sell something when you know that it's something people actually need and will use. You know, it's a hard push when you're like, buy a hand gel and you're a <laughs> lash yeah. artist. It's just like, what does this have to do with anything? So, you know, I knew our our customer base, which is generally lash artists, and I know their customer base, which is people that wear lashes. So I think the first tip was to really conduct market research. And it sounds very official saying it that way, but yeah. the way that we conduct our market research is that I worked in that field for yeah. years and years. You were the research, I, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course you can pay people to do market research for you. There's companies that can do that for you if you're looking at something obscure that maybe you don't know very much about. But knowing your audience is the first most important tip and understanding what they want before so, you can start marketing. So them. as a lash artist, you would say 
think about what it was like to be a consumer. Like for you, you're remembering what it was like to be a lash artist. So what can I do to help lash artists? But for our listeners, most of them are actually lash artists trying to sell to end users who get lashes. So you need to put your mindset into what does it mean to be going in and walking? Like I always like, I do this for us still when we walk in, though we don't really have a salon anymore. As I walk into business, I just want to see what's it feel like when I walk in? How am I greeted? How do people engage with me? Because that was the one thing I never wanted someone walking to our salon to feel that walk of shame is what I call it. When they walk up to the front desk and no one says anything to you and it's all quiet and you're just like, I'm so sorry to interrupt your day. I know that you're probably just wanting to watch your YouTube videos, but I'm here for a service. And so I just, you know, I always would tell my front desk, like, we have to think what they're thinking if we really want to empathize and be able to connect with them and all that. So for our listeners right now, market research is like, I guess, like we'd say, put your mindset in or put on the mindset. Seven seconds is what you've got to make an impression. And if they don't see your face and they only see your place, you need that place to be safe and comfort and warm and welcoming. And so, yeah, you got seven seconds and then someone just goes, well, this is crap. It's a very short window. I learned I only get three seconds. People give me less time. <laughs> you know, most people get seven. I get three. It's really they're unfortunate. so offended by how you look. It is. It's really sad. It's really frustrating. That's why I'm on radio or this. Anyhow. So, okay. So know your market research now. Is this something like you said, obviously you guys at this point, because you're a bigger company, can maybe pay for that type of stuff. Obviously people who are single practitioners or maybe have just a couple of staff members aren't going to pay for that. What would they do? What would that look like for them to start doing market research, I guess? They should draw on their experience mm-hmm. as the consumer themselves. I can't imagine there's many lash artists out there that haven't gone into salons and gotten lashes themselves mm-hmm. and understand what it is like to be a lash client. You also speak to your lash clients all day, every day. So you know these people. You know who they are. You know what they want. You know about their lives. Half the time you become their therapist. So you know a lot about your audience, more mm-hmm. than most people would know about their audiences. Yeah. So just use that to your benefit. And if you were, say, creating a new product that you didn't know much about and you weren't sure how your audience were going to respond, I I would honestly recommend talking to someone with a similar product. Maybe it's a competitor. Just ask some questions and get some information. You know, if you can't go out and hire a market research company to do that for you because you're starting up or you don't have the funds to do that, you'd be surprised how willing people are to share things, I think, a lot of the time. No, I've seen that a lot. I know a lot of brands talk and communicate and they share ideas because there is a, I think, a, 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 now that wasn't so true, I think, 10 years ago, but I do see yeah. a lot more common, uh, hey, we're all in this together. And I, you, you'll be surprised. You reach out to your favorite brand or someone you know that you met at a conference and they may be more willing to share information that you thought would be top secret. And of course, now these days you jump on, and I'm, I don't know how many Alicia and I are involved in, but we're involved in communities in all over the world. And the question will just come up, hey, guys, who uses what glue? What is better for this? And you see 500 responses. People are out there. So you could put yourself as a small salon, you could put a comment on these communities and ask your peers. Don't be scared. What can someone say? No. Yeah. I often, when people buy a ticket or I talk to someone on the phone for LashCon or for anything else that we do, I'll often ask them, so how do you find out about us? Because obviously I want to know where everyone comes from and who's referring and how they do it. Or why did you choose this? Why did you want to come here? And that type of stuff I find is so useful because then they tell, well, I, f- I thought I would do this because I really want to connect with people or, or I've never done anything challenging in my life. And I just, someone told me I need to get out there. You know, they, they give you information that allows you to go, oh, 
that's useful. So for like a salon, right? If someone's like, why do you come to my salon? I go, I, I come here because you have the most natural lashes. And you thought, man, I didn't know what was unique about me. But you begin to hear from all your clients that everyone likes you because you have a very natural look that works for them. You can start finding, oh, wow, my unique selling point is that I'm natural. <laughs> While other salons are like volume or whatever. Yeah. And just take every opportunity you can to collect data. If you can get people to fill out a form, put some tick boxes on it that are easy for them to tick somewhere. Like if you have a website where you sign up for a newsletter or something, ask a few questions in the sign up box before they get to click submit. You can get a lot of information from small little things. You put a poll on an EDM that you're sending out. And the easier it is for people to do where they just have to like tick a box, yeah, people do it. They go, oh yeah, cool. Yes. Click you know? Mm -hmm. So if you have a chance to collect information or data, collect it. Yeah. Instagram. It will come in helpful. Yeah, no. And I've learned Instagram has created an in-house marketing tools for you where you can mm -hmm. literally do surveys and ask people who follow your page. Why do they like you? How did they find you? What do they, what's their biggest pain point? You just put it in there. Now they're not going to get hundred, 200, you know, well, if you have a bigger account, you might get thousands of responses, but for smaller accounts, maybe you'll get 10 people responding, but 10 is still better than nothing. And that gives you a little better idea how to do it. And there's all those survey questions now on Instagram. So there's really easy, interactive ways to talk to your base or at least people who are surrounding your business and thinking about buying your business. So market research, I think it's huge because that gives you something to work with so you know who to communicate and how to communicate better. What else? Yeah. So providing valuable content for us, it's all well and good to put up a picture of beautiful eyelashes that you've done and say like, oh, happy Tuesday. <laughs> like that's... <laughs> That's fine. That's nice. An aesthetic post is good too because people don't want to be sold to all the time, but people want to get value from what they're looking at. They're scrolling all day. You need something to catch their eye. So why don't you share some information? Why don't you share about yourself, your salon, you know, let them get to know you or give them some information that will actually help them, like informative posts or tips about how they could improve their lash health or something like that. Just content that gives them something other than saying, I'm just trying to sell something to you or, you know, it's just a pretty picture. Because it just gets draining all day looking at that. Again, it's about thinking through the eyes of your consumer, right? I Too many times I see people, you're one, trying to impress other lash artists who aren't buying their products because they're, they're lash artists. They're not product owners. Or they're just one to brag or show off. And again, if your consumer isn't buying from you because you have a nice purse. They're buying from you because you give good value. When you say value, I think they have to realize that means like, like tips on how to do better beauty services or how to speed up their morning routines or how to feel pretty or how to feel good about themselves. Things that actually make them feel better, not make you feel better. <laughs> I think a lot yes. of people do Instagram to make themselves feel better about themselves and they don't realize that they're self-serving and that's maybe why they're not getting the engagement that they want. Yeah. And, and people really like that personal feel, don't they, Alicia? Like we yeah. really, really like to know that, hey, I'm so tired. I can hardly keep my eyes open. I'm exhausted. Is anyone else getting exhausted? Like mm -hmm. people love that. It's okay to be not okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like validating. It's much more personable now. And posts, we, I mean, we had a doggy daycare here. We brought our dogs in one day and took a heap of footage of our dogs getting clipped out the front. And it was this human side to a company we weren't trying to say we were washing the dogs in prolong or anything like that. <laughs> it, it, it was simply just 
This is, this is what happens here. By the way, I think that would be a good stunt. I think you should watch Dogs of Prolong. You should watch the Dogs of Prolong. Oh, my gosh. To be honest. It's PH balance. Why not? New uses for Prolong. We made a whole new market for you guys right now. There it is. There it is. Love your dog for retention. Use Prolong less. That's right. They lose less hair. They don't shed as much. Yeah. But, you know, think about who you're trying to market to again. Like, use all that market research that you've done and think about your actual audience. Yeah. And if you're going, oh, this is the right way to apply a lash and this isn't the right way to apply a lash, are you trying to attract lash artists or are you trying to attract Jenny from down the street? Think about who you're actually making content for and make it valuable for that audience. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Now, point number three, what was that one? Just make use of marketing tools. There is thousands out there, but there is a lot of platforms. Instagram isn't the be all and end all of lash advertising. And especially if you're like a local person, you're not a big lash brand that is selling internationally. If you're a lash salon working in a small area, you know, Instagram might not be the easiest way for people to find you. Make sure you're making the most of the options out there. Google Maps, Google Business is probably the best choice for a small business like that. But then Facebook and local Facebook groups are probably better than Instagram when it comes to that kind of local marketing. And sometimes it sounds a bit silly, but even local centers where you could post a notice board or something like that and pop up Mm. a poster about your business. Or when I worked for myself in my garage for three years, which (laughs) was a very successful booming lash business, it worked very well for me. If I had a gap in my day, I did letterbox drops around neighborhood. I would go for a walk. I go, I've got 45 minutes. I'm going to go for a walk. So I get some exercise. I put a little postcard with my business information on it in letterboxes. And that was honestly one of my most successful ways of getting clients. Wow. A letterbox in America would be a mailbox, right? Yeah. A mailbox. <laughs> there you go. I love this. I mean, it was obvious what a letterbox was. I, was like, I don't get that. By the way, just another side note, I've realized we call bathrooms, well, bathrooms, you'd like to call them toilets. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, it's, in America, that's really crass. You know, is that, it? Yeah, got, got, it's embarrassing. Well, we've, we've got some other words. We've got like Lou and Dunny and all the... the oh. A Dunny? Of, we don't even know what that is. A Dunny. What's yeah. Dunny, D-U-N-N-Y. That's a real Aussie, I would say. Yeah. Um, but that would be crude in Australia. If you said Dun and Dunny, that oh, would really? be crude. Okay, because I just think it's funny because I look everywhere in the sun and say toilet. I'm like... Man, where's the restroom or bathroom? Or bathroom like or ladies' room. You ladies' room ladies or gentlemen's room. room or, but yeah, no one would ever say toilet. And it, I even saw in, I think in the program, I think it says a toilet break. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's so weird. Yeah, Americans, <laughs> I mean, we're crass about, yeah, we're crass about there's everything. There's only but, a toilet in the room. There's no, there's no bath. <laughs> <laughs> it's a euphemism, it's I guess. It's a euphemism. Yeah, 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 it's a euphemism. And you don't, and you don't, and you don't sleep in there. So You'll rest. <laughs> yeah, you don't no, no, go to the bathroom. Rest, I'm going to take a nap on the toilet. You know, yeah. it's not really this, but that's pretty Australians funny. are very straightforward about things. Exactly. We just like I love to call it. them what they are, like the big pineapple. It's big pineapple. Like, that's what we call it. The Great Barrier Reef. Like, it is exactly what it is, you know? (laughs) We're not joking about anything in America. You have to guess what we're trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) We're pretty black and white over here. (laughs) Well, I love that you brought up with marketing tools the idea of really what social media is trying to replicate, and that's social interaction with people. So social media is so easy to think, well, I'm just going to dance or post on Instagram or TikTok, and I'm going to get customers. And a lot of times I hear the opposite, like, 
I worked my butt off, but really the best way I get someone through word of mouth or going when you're out and around like Tess back in the old days, she always had business cards with her. So anywhere she was yeah. walking and someone say something. gym, where yeah. else do I do? Grocery store, whatever. Yeah. You just see someone and you're like, hey, I see, I like your lashes because women like to compliment each other. And Tess would often calls out women, go, oh, I love your outfit. I love your shoes. Love that. And so they'll just naturally respond back. And you can do that's the way you interact. And you can hand a card. You can hand them a, or whatever it is that's physical, old school. I know it's, it seems really outdated, but it, it isn't outdated. It's it not. Well, that's exactly what we're doing now because we're doing LashCon. We're doing some conferences in the UK. We're doing some conferences in Canada. We hand our business card out because we give them a foaming pump. We give them 150 of our business card, which is our product. Yeah. So it's still exactly the same drive. We're still doing exactly the same thing. Instead of handing a business card with our name, we're giving our brand out there. We're putting our brand. And we're That's our business card. That's our yeah. face. That's our company. Yeah, and we've done the same thing this year. We've spoken and gone to many conferences. Went to Australia. We went to Miami. We went to Vegas. We also went to San Francisco earlier in the year. And we just go out. And even if we don't speak, like we were just at a thing a couple of weeks ago, a networking event in Utah. We just went there, met people. And what's funny is all of a sudden I see people going online buying stuff because we went there, shook hands, kissed the babies, did whatever we can to net make connections. That's social, right? Media, really, what we're trying to do. And it happens. So really old school ways still are effective. And that's why joining your, your what do you call it? City of Commerce. Chamber of Chamber Commerce. Chamber of Commerce. Or joining certain clubs or communities in your area. Tess mm -hmm. was part of a couple things. A business networking. Yeah, yeah business networking. Yeah, sponsoring, oh. sponsoring local footy teams. Sponsoring. Yeah. We sponsor. We get involved with lots of things. You know, we give to charity. And we do all these sort of things that create friendships. And that's how your business works. That's how our partner program is exactly that. Our partners are our friends. Absolutely. And yeah. That's it. No, and, and we feel the same about you guys. That's, we love that you guys, you know, upped your game um, and you guys are with us this year and, and, and being physically here. I know last year you were here, but just in product but now physically it's kind of cool and it's gonna be cool and i think we that's, can't wait yeah it's gonna be we great. are coming over to take over america i think there's a, a movie <laughs> called coming to america that's yeah. us we're right yes. there yeah no yeah you guys are we actually we, i think two of our biggest sponsors are from australia so it's yes. kind of funny to see there's, australia really showing up big time in here in america so it's really exciting there's something about down under yes no. yes so all right so that's we got through three i'm thinking because yeah of time. well that we just covered my fourth point anyway really oh. because my fourth oh, point yeah, was just make the most of positive word of mouth which uh we <laughs> really just covered in yeah. itself and I was going to say if you're a small salon like that like we were talking about you can really infiltrate a group one of my biggest drives for my business was that I did some lashes on a couple of school mums and then all of a sudden 50% of my clients all were mums from the one <laughs> private school around the corner from me so if you can get involved in a group and mm -hmm. then you can get positive word of mouth that is like a really great marketing tool as well that's awesome and getting your face out there and talking to people as we just yeah. so. yeah. if you're a business owner you can't be shy you can't be that person mm -hmm. that wants to sit in your room and just hope the business comes to you you're going to have to work outside of your comfort zone a little bit and learn to just be in people's faces not just be salesy but to relationally build those connections so that they when they want to buy they they'll look to you yeah exactly yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, let's jump over the sales because I don't want to skip sales. I mean, marketing's awesome, but really sales yes. <laughs> is, is really the flip side of marketing because once you get the customer calling, I think a lot of people drop the ball here. They get someone calling and then they just say, hi, I want to buy some, or I want, what's, what's your price? And you make the fatal mistake going, I'm $300. And they go hang up, right? It's like there's more to sales than just giving, answer phone and telling your price. So I thought it would be great to get a little bit of your sales input, which maybe we're switching over to Jody now, since I think that's more of your sweet spot, right? Yeah, it's, I'm from retail background. So mine's all about sales. Because you know yourself, you walk into a store and the cus- and the sales staff will say, hi, can I help you today? Or, and they literally stop at the or, because they're not really interested. They're not really interested in anything else. It's, hi, can I help you today? Or, and you know they're going to say, you're just looking. <laughs> so you say, I'm just looking. Yeah. Like, you, you lost me at two seconds. You said you was a three seconds rule. You lost yeah. me in two yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose the belief in what you're selling is the number one thing for me and genuinely transparent with your clients, with your customers is it's less imperative and talking about that old business card, sales is an old fashioned art. And if it's done correctly, can be such a winning success for your salon and for your business full stop. So it's not just selling that set. It's not as you said, someone calls up. That's all you've got. You've got that window where that person has called you up. So it's you've got to know your product, back your product, have faith in your product, faith in your service, and yeah, learn some little basic tools. Like there's a couple of courses online that are really easy to get involved in. A course over there in the States called Train the Trainer. Mm. It's a really, really simple training course, and it's all about, number one, answering phones, number two, having that physical contact with the client if you're lucky enough for them to be in your salon, Mm -hmm. and number three, how to get them into your salon. And it's a really basic thing. It's a small cost. And I think that that sort of backing yourself in business, backing yourself as a salesperson, you have to treat yourself as a salesperson every day, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, whether you're selling to your kids that they need to have broccoli for dinner, Yeah, you're selling all day. So it needs to be a natural progress. It needs to be a natural you know, find your own wording. You don't have to use the traditional words. You know, find your own wording. My, I used to, when I was in retail, I used to actually jump out of clothing racks and go, hey, how are you going? And then we go, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Oh, my god! Because, and they'd be holding their chest going, oh, you scared me. And I'm like, oh, so, oh, sorry. Hey, you were looking at our jeans over there. What do you think of them? And yeah. you've got them because you've got this instant You've got to make an instant warmth and trust. So your voice has got to be friendly. Your voice has got to be welcoming. You know, you've got to sound interested. Don't pick up the phone and go, you know, Jody's hair salon, how can I help you? Hey, how you going, lovely? Thanks for calling. It's Jody here. Yeah. You know, change the it. way you answer a phone. Yeah. Now that program you mentioned, it was called Train the Trainer. Is that right? Yeah, it's called Train the Trainer. I think it's uh, from memory, it's about 120 US dollars. We actually do. I actually used to tr- um, run that course over here in Australia. I used okay. to train. I used to train staff in retail. So, I mean, obviously, when you come into a salon, you learn you're learning how to do lashes. You're training to do lashes. But I think a side of it that, and as we talked about before, Kerry had a business idea. Alicia and Kerry run the business. They bought in a bookkeeper. Then they're like, okay, this business needs that next bit. So if you're a one-person salon, you've got to have all those four areas as one person. But yeah. either all the areas are important as each other. Mm-hmm. So don't let that sales drop because it doesn't matter how much marketing you do, if you're not a personal person with this great friendly personality that is really keen to sell your product, marketing's neither here or there. They're not going to come back anyway. No, and I think that's the thing that people – 
just always say, I don't want to be salesy, but the truth is you're, you are selling everything you Everyone's do. Every selling. part of your life you are selling. Yeah, you're selling. You're selling yourself while you're doing the lashes. While you're doing the lashes, you are selling yourself because your product is walking out the door on that woman, on that man. It's walking out on that person. So you've already done your sales pitch with that. The continuation of that is to learn how to take that hour and a half conversation like Alicia was saying. That is your sales window without the customer knowing. It can be subtle and it can be a message that you put in their head. You know, you might start to talk about, hey, your eyes are looking a little bit dry. Do you use any serums at home? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you don't. Oh, there's a couple of really good serums on the market. You don't even have to say you've got one. Get the message into that client's head. Next time they come in to say, oh, did you have a look at that serum? We've actually picked some up. Mm-hmm. We're selling it now. You know, use progressive salon selling, and it doesn't have to be all done at once. They've paid 180 for their set. Mm-hmm. They've put a really big outlay, a really big investment into their face already. Just start to offer them things that will, number one, prolong lash foaming pump will help you retain your lashes. Mm-hmm. That's an easy spiel. Like that's for us, yeah. it's an easy spiel. But in a salon, it's a lot harder because you want to sell, you mightn't have prolonged lash, you might have something else that you're selling and you just got to know your product, believe in your product and start to sell that product while you're doing the lashes. Yeah. One of the little tricks that I would do is after I rinse the lashes and fluff them up, I would put either a brow pencil on or I put a little bit of highlighter underneath the eye or a little concealer, whatever it was, a serum. And then when they looked in the mirror, I'd say, and this is how you take care of your lashes. And do you notice how plumped up this tissue looks? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, what'd you do? And I'm like, this is it. I'll bring it to the front for you. Yeah. It's just, you know, putting it on them. It really... C- comes down to, I like to change out the word sales with service or serve. I'm not selling you, I'm serving you. And I think a lot of people, if they would just change their mindset and realize that, yeah, sales has a bad name because of used car salesmen and other egregious <laughs> people who've abused the word sales. But overall, when you, I like being sold. I love going to a restaurant and hearing the specials. I love going in and having a potential upgrade or something like that. It makes my experience even better because I get to buy this add on or get to do that. That's sales, right? That's not, and that's serving someone. I'm giving them options. I'm upgrading what they're doing. So it's not an evil word. It's not a bad thing. No. You know, it can be helpful. And there's nothing sexier, there's nothing more respected Like when you're out. If someone has knowledge, if yeah. someone can educate you, yeah. if you actually say, oh, go back to the restaurant, and someone knows the wine list and knows what to put with what food, you will go up, you will pay $40 for that bottle of wine rather than 20 if they sell you because they're knowledgeable. And there's nothing more impressive than listen to someone go off on their spiel that they're so passionate about. You actually just say, all right, I'll take 10. You know, passion, passion behind your voice. As you said, it's not sales. It's just service. It's professional service. My favorite restaurant experience I had was actually in Australia. I went to a restaurant called Matisse in Sydney and the experience was insane. The guy sang opera about wine and he we did a pairing and it really has changed the way I experienced food. And I felt like, yeah, I had to pay extra for it. I didn't care. He over-delivered. Yeah. It was a lot of money. I didn't care at the end. I was like, that was so much fun. I was on a ride for a, a lifetime and it was amazing. And he looked like Simon Sinek too, which was really kind of fun. That's an experience. You've got to make every time you're with someone an experience for them. It's a journey for them to get there. It's a journey for them to outlay the money. So make the experience exceptional. Be an over-deliverer. Be an overachiever. Be 
an over risk taker. Yeah. You know, you can't. We, I, I told the girls this the other day. I was 17 and I'd started working at a company called Just Jeans over here part time while I was at school. And it was a two person store and, and I'm selling jeans and the manager didn't show up. And I'm standing there, 17 year old on a Friday night. And I'm like, okay, no one's going to turn up if I call. I'm just, I'm going to run this myself tonight. And I just, three hours, I ran the shift. I was the manager. I closed up the shop. I left. We had a great night. Everything went well. Got a phone call the next day. But that was a risk for me. The company could have turned around and said, and I'm just like, problem solved. I'm here. I've got to do it. So, you know, I'd never cashed up a till before on my own, but worked it out. (laughs) I just counted some money, balanced it against what we sold. And I thought, oh, it's a start. Yeah, you've got to go. You've got to take risks. Be genuine. Be out there, you know. Yeah, it's an no. exciting time for everyone in this industry is growing and the sector is growing at like massive rates. So get your share of it. Don't be scared to get in and get your share of it. And I think you did that because one, you believe in yourself, but also, you know, especially with your product you have now, you believe in the product. And I really want to hit on that real quickly because if you're working right now and you don't believe in your product, I think it's a sign to change your career or change where you're working because I did do that. I worked as, a, I sold ads for a really bad local newspaper back in the, 90s and so it was a bad newspaper and i should have worked there for a few weeks and quit because it was bad i just i didn't believe my product i i thought i was a bad salesperson because of that and it turns out then i went years later and i worked at a different place that was great and i was like the top salesperson and i realized wait i'm actually really good at sales i'm just not good at selling bad products something i don't believe in <laughs> i don't right? believe in it and people pick that genuine, whether you're genuine or not. People yeah. can pick that. They can pick it if you genuinely want to be there. If you want to be in the salon doing lashes that day, if you don't, you're actually better off sending a staff member home yeah. than having someone being serviced by someone that doesn't want to be there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a huge mistake, and that's how you your huge brand mistake. goes begins to go backwards because now you're losing yeah. ground. You're better off going for quality rather than quantity. Yeah. You're better off getting rid of that lash artist, that lash technician. And having just yourself and your product being consistent and fabulous and you being passionate about it, then you are saying, I'm getting busy, I'm going to hire this other person. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It's not the right person. Don't hire that person. Stay on your own. So let's do one more. And then I realize what's an hour. I can't believe it's an hour. It's flown by. (laughs) Maybe do one more. Let's give me a, if you have another sales tip that you had in mind and then, uh, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I haven't even, I haven't even been looking at my shoes. Do you want me to tell your next sales tip? Chatting, chatting away. You, you ask me something that you want to ask me off that list, then I'll give you a sales tip. What did you want to ask? I know one of the things that you said in here was talking about networking, which I thought was interesting. I didn't think of that. I was like, what's networking with as a sales tip? How does that work with sales? I mean, as far as just meet a lot of people, or what do you mean by that, I guess? So networking, I suppose, is like the last conferences that we're doing, all the com- conferences we're getting involved in, and we're having a presence there now. Last year, we managed to get some momentum from being a sponsor. But as soon as we physically started turning up to events, the momentum is 10 times more. Wow. So because we're out there in the community and not just having our brand in a goodie bag or sponsoring with a nice little logo behind you, you know, when you're out there, because we are passionate, like Alicia and I, Carol and Adele, so two operational kind of feeling people and two marketing people are coming across to Lash Conference. Adele and I, who's my partner in this area, operations, she knows all the resellers. So the reason we're bringing her is because we want her to be talking to those partners the whole time. Alicia knows some of them, Carol knows some of them, but realistically, the talking to the partners will be our role. 
Alicia and Carol will be doing taking footage and making sure that they're meeting people and talking the brand. Alicia will be talking lashes. You know, so we're taking this skill set of different people to talk to the community over there. And I can guarantee that with four of us over there, the amount of networking that we will get done will automatically return in revenue for us. Yeah. And that's not the reason we are there. But face-to-face talking to someone, it is so much easier to be your business card um, and to be promoting it. So that's the one real problem we've had with being an e-commerce store that is global. Mm -hmm. We don't get to handshake. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. You know, we miss the handshaking, the old-fashioned handshaking, the old-fashioned, how are you going, the old-fashioned, wow, do you want to go and have a few drinks? Do you want to go and grab some dinner? Let's do lunch. That's our probably our biggest obstacle has been being an Australian company trying to branch out is there's only so much you can talk about on on the phone. There's only so much that gets lost in translation through emails. But us coming across there and actually hugging and kissing and chatting and shaking hands, we can't wait. No, that's huge. And I think for people translating that to the local lash artists who are working in the salon, that comes from just joining and being part of your community. I know that there's one lash brand I knew locally here. They had this like street fair. And I thought it was so cool with the street fair is that they would dress up in cute outfits and they'd be out there just meeting people. They weren't even doing lash services. You can't do a lash service in the street fair, but they're just out there meeting people. And I thought that was such a cool thing to see them interacting so people would get to know them, like them. And then, you know, obviously I'm sure later would come back and try out their services. At least some people would. So I think there's so many ways to do that. Personality plus. You've got to be personality plus. You've got to back yourself as a human first before you back yourself as any industry you're going into. If you don't love yourself, it comes across in your in the service, whichever industry you're in. Yeah. You've no, got totally. to be out there and confident. Is that Carol with her hand up? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think Carol. So. By the way, we've had a secret admirer this whole oh. time listening to our <laughs> podcast. We've mentioned her name, but she actually hasn't been on the podcast yet. And that's Carol. She's uh works mm-hmm. in the in the marketing side of the business. I don't know if she's raising her hand. She can jump in if she wants right now and say hi. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. I was just going to add a off-record comment to Jody. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Jody, I think record. when you are talking about network, can you just mention maybe the LPN or the partner? program because i think it's a good opportunity to just mention that why don't you mention it oh <laughs> uh, myself yeah, yeah go ahead, carol yeah we Talk gotta get it. carol now on, on the podcast Come That's on, awesome. carol okay carol. hi guys i'm carol the project manager at project manager sorry i'm, I'm nervous <laughs> <laughs> content manager content manager uh, at prolonged lash and uh, yeah i'm going to be at the conference too so i'm super excited to see everybody in person uh it will be super awesome and just adding something about network that jody was saying we just launched our online group it's called the lpn the lash professional network mm-hmm. and it's a an awesome place to actually network and meet other lash artists. It's an open group that everybody can join and well, we will have discussions there. We will have exclusive blogs there. And it's a good opportunity to just network and talk to different lash artists from all over the world. And, you know, exchange ideas and this kind of stuff. I think network, you, you don't need to be just at the conference to make network. You can do network these days like I don't know, in the yeah. internet. And this, is, and this, is, this is Facebook or is this a separate tool that you guys have set up? Yeah, it's a separate platform. The name is Circle, but it's like online. And 
we can put the the link on the description of the episode. We okay, can yeah, yeah, definitely send me that link, and then we'll make sure that's in the show notes. You can join via our website as well. We have links all over our new. We have launched our brand new website as well, which is looking very schmick and beautiful. And Carol's face is right on the front of it too. Uh, and schmick, uh, what's schmick mean? I, I never heard that expression. Oh, before. is that an Australian? Yeah, what's schmick? Schmick, yeah, that's just like perfect, like on point. Yeah, just nice. nice. I, I'm gonna <laughs> use that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I am schmick, schmick today. I'm looking very schmick. Yeah, you know, you know. Sometimes I don't understand what they say too, so I'm like, yeah, nice. <laughs> Carol is from Brazil, so oh, we yeah. very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Wow, you uh, speak yes, Portuguese, I'm... English, and Australian. No. <laughs> 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 a, little, a little bit of Spanish too, just a little oh, bit. Really? Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. But our new Schmick website is up and you can join the LPN through the website. There's links all over it saying join the LPN. So very, very just cool. hop on there. Well, wow, this has been great. And I'm so glad we got to hang out with you guys for actually much longer than I thought. But we got through a lot of good <laughs> stuff and a lot more ideas otherwise i know we can keep going but um maybe real quick one more time you've shared a little bit but just make sure everyone knows what your instagram is i know you also have a u.s stuff now so it's not just australia so maybe you can share all, all the information where people can find you guys and uh, get your you know at least learn more about you yeah absolutely we do have our usa pro long lash account so uh on um insta so it's pro long lash dot usa and then we've got Prolong Lash USA Facebook page and our US website, which is www.prolonglash.com. <laughs> Stuff that up. And we have all our Australian versions. We have Canadian and UK versions as well. Oh, so wow. if you're listening from other parts of the world, you can join them. Um, and the reason we've separated them so much is because mainly because of shipping, but you know, there is different applicable information for the different countries. So jump onto your own country's version of Prolong Lash because it will be a lot more helpful for you to work out where you're buying from and such. But most of the world's shipping will come out of the USA. So if you're in South America or something like that, head to USA. Cool. All right. And if you, like you said, for the countries, I'm sure if you're in, in UK, you can just type in Prolong UK or something like that. And that you'll find the website that way. Yep. If you don't remember all the different exactly. names and different stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to read out out yeah. 17 different channels to exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> now, are you in Sri Lanka yet? That's the big question. I think we have a big Sri Lankan audience, right? Don't we? No? No, I guess it's not. It's up and coming. <laughs> no, yeah. We're working on Sri Lanka. Actually, we have some people in Saudi Arabia listen to this podcast, which I always thought was very interesting. I'm a big we shout have out. Some, um, you know, we have Saudi Arabian buyers. We have a lot of end users that buy from Saudi Arabia oh. and, and Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. so cool. No, it's really neat to see for us because we, like you guys have, you, you have your analytics because so you actually know where people buy from. We can tell where people listen from. So we look at our oh, podcast. Yeah, so I can see all like where, yeah. what cities are our top cities and what parts of the country. It started out Los Angeles was like, like our home base. And now it seems like Houston for some reason is our number one city. Are you constantly doing Texas. your research? So we, we would be very interested in getting that list. We'd love to hear. Yeah, what we'll have to do a trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. See, where are people yeah, listening? Because it is interesting. I'd love to see who's listening from what countries because I mean, we know who's purchasing. But more you educate yourself, everyone that's listening, education, education, knowledge, the more your brain will build. Yeah, yeah. Now, for us, I think okay. it's obviously U.S. is us. I think actually Australia might be number two now. It was U.K., for the longest time, but I really do think us coming to Australia boosted our numbers in Australia. There's that. Yeah. 
There we go. Shaking hands, networking. <laughs> networking. There it is. They're networking. So, yes, we'll be over in America soon and we're going to take it on. We're going to take over. That's great. No, <laughs> please do. We, we would love to have more of you guys. There's just a, a, a real passion or affection, I think, for Australians and America. We do have a, a, we do. affection yeah. for we you do. guys. We love you guys. and we've We do get treated well when we uh, visit. Oh, so we're quite excited for that because everyone always, as long as we say some cute little terms for them, like g'day, mate, <laughs> then <laughs> that'll give us a special table in the restaurant oh, or something. Oh, yes. People will just fall yeah. over themselves. The Barbie. Paul Hogan made us famous for all those. Like, yeah, or, or, we or, hardly use them. But <laughs> Crocodile Dundee is like, that's not a knife. And he pulls out, this is a knife. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I'm sure you guys get all these stupid, like, okay, Americans. We're really proud of our country. We're very, very proud of Australia. We have a wonderful country. So we're really proud of it. So You should be. You can have a laugh at us. You can have a laugh with us. We're pretty easygoing. And I will say for us, our highlight, we've tried a lot this year, but really for us, going to Australia was our favorite thing we did this I feel year. like I could live there. Yeah, feel, no. yeah. And you know, you didn't even come to the best state, which was uh, to Melbourne. I know, yes, I know. To Melbourne. If no. you'd come to Melbourne, maybe you would never have left. I know. I know what I really, we were thought, I thought about, cause you know, I know there's a conference that's going to be out there and I was like, can we go and, and just hang out and just go and be there? And I'm like, just, it's like two weeks before LashCon. I'm like, it no, is very there's, close. there's no <laughs> way we could go and, and be part of that. Because any excuse to go back out would be a nice excuse. So we thought of that. But we'll we'll have to come back, God willing, hopefully next, next year. Because it really oh, was cool. Please do. Yeah. And, we'll take you out for some fun. Yeah, we'll get to come down to Melbourne. And um, and then we'll get And we'll the, throw we, another shrimp on the Barbie. The shrimp on the Barbie, yes. <laughs> and I'll try not to say Melbourne because that's what it's Americans are called. Sounds like you're saying Mel Boring, you guys. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on. Can't wait to see you guys here in November. So go to the show notes, get all the information you need, sign up for their group, and definitely come and see them at LashCon because they're going to have a big booth and they're going to be they're one of our top sponsors. So we're really blessed to have them there. And we are nice. very good parties, just saying. Very good parties. <laughs> we have a party every night, so come ready for that Woo! for sure. So awesome, guys. We will be there. Thanks so much for having us. It's been great having a chat with you guys. Hey, guys, know what? That's it, guys. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in, and hopefully you got a lot from it. I know I did. I really enjoyed our time with Alicia and Jody. They were awesome. I want to ask you to please follow us on the Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference, and remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Blueberry Tusney, as well as our special guests, Alicia and Jody. I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.